0: So in the course of these few days, uh, just to bring across some things in summary, I think we've seen that the factor of mindfulness occurs quite very frequently in the Buddha's teachings and it's uh, accompanied by other factors which give it its particular angle or potency or effect. And also where it's applied. So mindfulness is the, the ability to bear something in mind, to stay with something, to be able to stay on track, to stay focused. Okay? Yeah. So it's a property that's considered to be a normal part of our, um, our way of mind operates. If you, can't, if you haven't got any mindfulness, then you really are mad, actually. You know, it's just something like psychosis, I don't there must be a technical term for it. You can't, you know, you can't bear anything in mind. So you don't know what day of the week it is or, you know, anything, you know. You've got to be able to stay with some sense of a theme to, uh, otherwise it's just the immediate sense impressions with no no sense of coherence or organisation or direction in it. Uh, It could be considered an abiding in the here and now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's not really an abiding it's just the here and now uh, all over the place uh, so mindfulness the ability to kind of stay stay on track uh, stay with something stay with something bear something in mind I'm really good like that it both it, it, it means it's quite normal and ordinary um, and then what is important is what is being born in mind and, and, and the, what we're directing that towards. Yeah, so, so what's being born in mind with what kind of intention we're bearing things in mind? What's, our, what's the intentional quality? What's our attitude? Why, you know, are we bearing malicious thoughts in mind and staying with that? You know, keeping a, a sense of malice going clearly that would not be considered skillful yet we could say we're being mindful yeah? there's such a thing as mitya sati or wrong mindfulness which is exactly this of this nature you are focusing on some on something with a with an unskillful intention and you're staying with that intention and you're focusing on objects that stimulate that intention you focus on somebody's weak points with a fault finding mind and you stay with it and you keep it in mind and you you bear that in mind and you label them that way and uh you know you could say you're being very mindful (laughs) but uh the so the quality of right intentional virtue Sila, is important yeah and the sense that um we're not just used being bearing things in mind just to organize how you know how the world around us to become more effective or efficient but we're also bearing things in mind particularly to understand ourselves more how we operate so we fundamentally want to be bearing in mind or attentive to staying with my thoughts my feelings the flow of them so as i can understand something about it. if i don't with it long enough i'm not really underst- going to understand it so even more than the particular topics that we bear in mind well, what's called a phenomenological you just want to bear mind in mind what is this mind what are skillful states how do you you know how do you how do you get to know it because you you stay with it long enough to get a real strong feeling you know to be able to assess it mm-hmm. so it's a uh, you know, in this way, mindfulness is most uh, helpfully used uh, in an introspective way. What's called um, appropriate attention, wise attention, as you're focusing. How is this affecting you? Is this is uh, so wise attention, <coughs> the quality of recognizing what gives rise to stress, suffering, anguish, confusion. You know, what gives rise to uh, difficult mental states what gives rise to skillful ones so we have this this wisdom faculty which is looking for our welfare When we say introspectively it's also um the case that this uh sense of introspection is not um, it's introspecting to the na- in the nature of our experience. In other words, it's not just purely obsessing with me. It's, it's it's focusing on how things affect me. So it's introspective, but not isolationist. So it's, as we've seen, internally, externally, and a mixture of both. So I'm, you know, when I'm being mindful, I can be mindful of what's happening in my mind. You know, I can be mindful of what happens when I see you. you know? So I can be mindful of that. Yeah, any impressions that come up with that. Or as we meet and get together, what happens then? I can be mindful of that, just really attending to what goes on in that experience when I feel intimidated or loving or domineering or whatever. you know, Things come up. What about the perceptions? I begin to understand the nature of the perceptions, the impressions I have of other people through staying in that relational sense, looking at what comes up when I talk to people or find myself in a group of people or with one particular person. What memories come up? What actions come up? So I learn a lot in that way by bearing that in mind. So it's it's introspective in its looking into the nature of things, nature of experience. It's not introspective in the sense of it's all about me you know <laughs> this is a game where it can can be have uh, have limited cons- effect when meditation becomes too self obsessive yeah you know. uh, when mindfulness is used purely to scrutinize you know the details of 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 uh my, my me in a way that excludes any reference to uh other people to the situation around me, but still, it's, it's introspective, and we're looking what we can know is how we're being affected, you know, how, what impressions we have of others. So, I can't exactly be mindful of you, but I can be mindful of how you arise in my mind, you know, and how I respond to that. Here we have a, a sutta, the, the last one on your sheets, the sutta, the Bamboo Acrobat. Sādhu kasuta sangyuta 4719. And just it's quite short, and again, uh, it's 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 lovely, c- lovely because it's a, a story. It's quite a charming story. So the, these ones go down easy. <laughs> and so the situation once upon a time monks a bamboo acrobat that's someone who performs acrobatics on a bamboo pole yeah so you can imagine somebody's rigged up a couple of supports and they put a bamboo pole and this acrobat's going to walk across it or stand on one leg on it or something or the other he's a bamboo acrobat he can do performances on this bamboo pole and he addressed this assistant he has a an assistant seems to be a little girl a Catalica, which for some strange reason means frying pan. So <laughs> why she was called, is, and this is, inter- you know, this little girl called frying pan, there's no <laughs> note as to why she was called frying pan or any frying pan features she might have had. But <laughs> you know, so just one of these things that just gets put in there with no comment. He says, come, you, my dear Medica Catalica," and climbing up the bamboo pole, standing on my shoulders. So he wants to do this act where he's going to walk across the pole and he's got this little girl standing on his shoulders. Yeah, so And they're, they're not falling off the pole. That's the idea. Okay, master, the assistant Medica Catalica replied to the bamboo act and climbing up the bamboo pole, she stood on the master's shoulders. Now, you know, so... Of course, it could be that the pole is vertical, even more precarious, and he's standing on top of it. I'm not quite sure. The idea is it's some precarious act he's doing on a bamboo pole. Mm. So then the bamboo acrobat said this to his assistant, medi catalica You look after me, my dear Medikatalika, and I'll look after you. So you keep your eye on what I'm doing, and I'll keep checking you out. And This way, we'll keep an eye on each other, and we all will show off our craft, our skills, receive some payment, and safely climb down the bamboo pole. This being said, the assistant, Medica Catalica, who was a pretty smart kid, <laughs> said, to <laughs> said to the bamboo acrobat, that will not do at all, Master. You look after yourself, Master, and I'll look after myself. So, you know, you keep really mindful and aware of how you're standing on that pole and, you know, your balance. You, you really focus on that, and I'll focus on how I'm standing on top of you. And that way, with each of us looking after ourselves, guarding ourselves, we'll show off our craft receive from payment and safely climb down from the bamboo pole. That's the right way to do it. Yeah. So you know, you really focus on, in this little duet, yeah, focus on what's happening for you in this duet, this double act, mm, rather than well, what's happened to her. Yeah. The Buddha said, just like the assistant Medica Talika said to her master, I will look after myself, so should you monks practice the establishment of mindfulness. You should also practice the establishment of mindfulness by saying, I will look after others. So he's saying, you know, you do look after yourself and you do look after others, but how do you look after you? How, looking after oneself, one looks after others. That is, if I really am clearly attentive to where I'm at, and I'm checking out whether I'm getting impulsive, reckless, uh, greedy, unbalanced, then that's going to do you some good. <laughs> right? Hopefully. <laughs> so, in <laughs> looking after yourself, you look after others. Looking after others, one looks after oneself. And how does one look after others by looking after oneself? By practicing mindfulness. By developing it and by doing it a lot. So really attentive to your body, to your mind states, to your what's happening for you. And how does one look after oneself? By looking after others. By patience, kanti, non-harming, ahimsaka loving-kindness, metta, and caring for others. Uh, um, anukapa, anukampa. Thus looking after oneself, one looks after others, looking after others, one looks after oneself. So in in looking after yourself, you also maintain bearing in mind these qualities in your general relational sense. So you've got this primed, you know, patience, um, the ability to bear with, tolerance, you might say, Um, non-harming, non-violence, physical verbal even not sustaining an uh, abusive perception in your mind an idiot you know <laughs> basket case or whatever just don't don't so even that is is a kind of an abusive um, quality if you think like that then sooner or later you're going to say it or act upon it so you don't you check that any any m- abusive harming inclinations that you have towards others you He's developed a sense of non-harming, gentleness. By loving-kindness, metta, a sense of benevolence, a general benevolence that we have, and caring for others. This word, anukampa, means, um, the li- word literally means to, something like to tremble, tremble together with. Anu, as I said before, is a, is a suffix, a prefix that that indicates together or in the company of mm. so when we do buddha nusati we are mindful in the presence of the buddha yeah. when we're doing um yeah, dhamma nupasi we are practicing seeing in the light of the dhamma don't look seeing things in terms of the the dhammas so anu- and so anukampa means Com is to shiver, tremble, shake, something like that um, what it and it's the quality that the Buddha experienced after his awakening. as we recognize or you might not recognize, but you might need to, to know that when the Buddha after the Buddha's awakening he was you know, or his mind was in this very illuminated state, the boundaries of self had dropped away, so he's just receptive vibrant no particular plans no needs no projects you know nothing he's got to do he's got, got to write a book about it <laughs> you know <laughs> just <laughs> here we are and uh, and then I think this sense of some sense of empathy arises like recognizing you know uh, I think his awakening experience is sometimes associated with touching the earth, almost like you realize your relationship with the planet, with that which has given you birth, mother, father, other people, sentient beings. Somehow you're in this, this is what you've arisen out of. And he doesn't know whether he can really teach anybody what he's experienced, he's not certain. But he's still getting this sense of, you know, a resonance with this earth, this sentient life existence, And then he's in this st- st- space and he gets this kind of vision of the Brahma Sahampati, who's this uh, spirit or means the the overlord of all, which you can make your in- interpretations of when you... Comes and says, There are those who have a little dust in their eyes, teach the Dhamma out of Anukampa. Because you have this resonance, you have this sense of sensitivity, trembling with, feeling the feelings of others, sympathetic to them, then because of that, you know, because of that occurrence, then you must respond to that. You know. mm. So this is the nature of mind. Even a, a you know well, uh, a mind that has no boundaries, has no compulsions, has no projects, nothing to prove, nothing to have to accomplish. Still, the nature of mind is fundamentally resonant. It it empathizes. It shivers. It senses. It's it's an intelligence that's, a, that's always sensing something, and it can. Resonate sympathy. So this is the mind of a Buddha is empathetic. It's not new, It's not cut off. It's not in some void state. And um, you know what is he going to do about it? He doesn't know. What he's going to do, he doesn't know. But he does know he, that the mind has that sense of sympathy, empathy, uh, care for sentient beings. Mm. it 's not something he 's trying to do it 's not a moral duty it 's nature. The, this is where the mind has no boundaries and no restrictions and no uh, uh, obsessions of any kind. It still has its fundamental resonant nature to it. Mm. So,, yeah, well, okay. tries to fill who can fill in, who can fill in the, the gap you know it 's got this sense of fundamental sympathy, primal sympathy. Who's he going to aim for? Who could pick this up? So he thinks, first of all, what comes to mind is the people who were closest to him in the spiritual search, which is his teachers. And then he gets this realization they both passed away. So he thinks, well, you know, they were, you know, his sense of gratitude and kinship. Then he realizes, he thinks of these um, five former colleagues who, we're a bit off, but uh, <laughs> there's some sense of relationship going there. So I thought, well, I'll go and teach them. Mm. And he goes to teach them. And then he then he heads home. So he's in Gaya, which is south of the Ganges. And then he heads north towards uh, Isipatana, which is just outside of Varanasi. So he's heading north and he continues heading north up to Kapalavastu, which is Paul. so his trajectory, go and see mother, father, wife and child. So this, see, it's very, you know, understandable, isn't it? Your ba- empathy is going to be with people of like mind, people of blood, where you have a sense of gratitude, where you feel, you know, you've you, you shared life together. Yeah. Mm. So this, this is quite natural for human beings. The, uh, the amazing thing is that it gets lost. It's not that it's amazing it's there. <laughs> it's amazing it gets lost. And you know, that we can block our empathy because we have views comes in. I don't like people of this nationality you know, and people like that Right? you know, we start to pigeonhole people. We get views about people. Or we get my project, and you're getting in my way, you know. (laughs) My needs, and you're getting in, you know, you get that kind of thing happening. And so this wonderful empathic mind, which is resonant, and open, starts to contract and get me, me, me. So saying, well, you know, bearing in mind, you know, you're like your own body, your own presence, but then always in looking after others, you're not really going out and trying to s- sort other people out according to what you think they should be. <laughs> what you need is one of those. <laughs> you should be like that. I'll sort you out. <laughs> what you do, you set up this basic field of, of empathy, this sense of patience, uh, acceptance, tolerance, goodwill, non-abuse, uh, respect mutual respect and uh, empathy and you just say in that and then you see what comes out of that so you you set up the 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 foundation and let the topics arise you know the specific details arise you know, in accordance with what's what's possible or what comes up so rather than the other way around that so is, I've got a set of ideas. I think is be a good idea for you. So, I want you to do this, 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 this. And then, then after a while, I'll consult you. <laughs> so I, you know, I want to make people the way I I like, I like them to be like this, rather than something that's really coming from a, a an empathic sense. It's coming from some sort of judgment sense. <laughs> yeah. So this is very important to to establish. This: how do we look after others? Not by Setting them right, setting them straight according to the way they should be, but by developing within ourselves a sense of patience, acceptance, you know, and uh, uh, non-harming, loving kindness, and empathy, and let me see what comes out of that. Yeah. The beauty of that, if you set that up, that it may be actually, you know, have these ideas about the way you should be when I set that up I realised the problem is my problem (laughs) not yours at all (laughs) I shouldn't be so opinionated (laughs) I need to learn to be more um, tolerant or I can learn a few things so that the sense of self is not the leader you know I have I'm I'm open to being guided, receiving something from others, so we just set up that the proper relational sense, and then we can both learn from that. We're looking after ourselves all the time because to these qualities of mind, uh, uh, patience and kindness <laughs> and so forth, the mind is in its most uh, steady, composed, skillful state. It's not pushing, it's not adopting views, it's not driving things. It's, it's self, it, it feels good. It's loving quality. is basically feels good which is the important mark of buddhist practice yeah. so internally externally both you yeah, and this is an example of how we do it internally externally and in in our in our relational sense mm-hmm. So, of course, mindfulness is uh, uh, incredibly helpful. It has to be given the right um, priming, the right inclinations, the right understanding, cause and effect, and, and the confidence that if we do bear, stay with skillful themes, there will be very skillful results that will be for our welfare and for the welfare of others. That's why we do bear skillful things in mind. They're not immediately uh, powerfully exciting or uh, wonderfully new or rapturous. But if you bear them in mind, you get the long term welfare of freedom from regret, freedom from accidents, freedom from recklessness. You make good friends and you feel a sense of contentment and composure and and happiness in yourself. this is where right view is important for mindfulness. So i have just made the point. Mindfulness, although we can, you know, in fact, use it uh, in a, as a sort of meditation technique, you know, be mindful of the breath or be mindful of bodily sensations. Yeah, that's all fair game. But to limit it to that is, you know, a really uh, kind of pruning off a lot of valuable material, so a lot of valuable occurrences for for medita for mindfulness that is we can't necessarily be mindful of refined sensations in the body all day long, uh, but we can be mindful all day long we could be we can bear skillful things in mind such as patience and kindness uh, we can learn to to uh really use mindfulness to encourage full awareness so we really fully with what we're doing rather than always in the future always imagining somewhere else we could be that be better or how it was in the past it was better you know <laughs> all this kind of stuff we could be fully aware in the present you know, in a, in, a, in a mindful way mm, rather than chaotic way so then that naturally is going to enhance our learning capacities in the, in the present. If you look at the, 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 um, or you kind of recollect how, how one's mental behavior is, quite a lot of it seems to be associated with looking backwards, looking forwards, seeking alternatives. Hmm. it's always the past the you know the good old days when t- things were good you know i can remember the, the old days when the Sangha was stronger purer more re- more resourceful resilient you know not like these wimps today you know you can grumble that kind of thing. but I mean, they were saying that then as well. <laughs> and 10 years' time will be saying the same thing. <laughs> the good old days. And then the visions of the future, how it's going to be just around the corner we'll have it all sorted out. you know. Just just another little portion will be over the hill and it'll be into the green pastures. No, no, over the hill is another hill. Um, so we start to recognize this tendency of the mind to create these time vistas bound up with desire and becoming. So, You you don't want to be bearing that frame of reference in mind, the time frame. You want to bear in mind the nature of mind objects, whether they're associated, whether they're clear, whether they're bringing you to realization. This is what mental objects are. Things that create shoulds, ought tos, guilt, remorse, fantasies, craving, resistances you know so we start to realize quite a lot of our internal landscape uh, that we operate around is based upon unacknowledged uh, unskillful mind states (laughs) worry anxiety Uh, some grudges, mm. longing, uh, search for security. Yeah. Mm. And this is creating the future and the past for us. So, you know, when we are looking at the, the considering things in terms of the four foundations of mindfulness, and it is a little bit, Arid in some ways, a bit clinical, da, 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 da But it's it's you're looking at what you're bearing in mind, because that helps you understand what you what not to be bearing in mind, what not to be. So rather than you know the things that can preoccupy us, we start to look at not about uh, you know the future, the past, but in the present moment is the mind established in terms of clear, supportive mental factors, such as investigation, looking into their mind, uh, composure, um, joyfulness. Then, you know, so you're looking at the structures underlying how the mind creates the world of here and there, him and her, should be, ought to be, never will be, always was, and so forth. You know, what's all that based upon? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: so, you know, with that frame of reference practice, you're able to almost move through this, this very uh, convincing fog of future, past, alternative, should be, was opinions, views, down to the, the roots of it, the roots of mental behavior, which is in a sense of uh, you know, agitation, worry, uh, Guilt, um, irritation, or something more skillful—joy, clarity, and so forth. That's what that frames of reference practice is about—the four satipatthanas, the establishment mindfulness—is about, you know, getting to the roots of our mental behaviour. So, you know, so then it's what we bear in mind is what we're mindful of is very important. the level at which we pitch it for, for real purposeful um, liberation and transformation. I said so you can, in fact, be mindful of stabbing somebody with a knife. You bear that in mind, but that would not be considered a foundation for mindfulness, as recommended by the Buddha. It certainly requires some mindfulness, but it's we called wrong mindfulness. But right mindfulness be, would be when you... Look through that and look into the sense of ill will or the perceptions of others, another person, or the feeling of gratification one would have. This is what does that feel like? So you you get to the roots of mental behavior and you refer them to awareness, which is what the Sampajanya process is about. That particular impulse or energy Come back to not to even to a, an opinion or a judgment or a view, but just what is it how does that touch me? How does that feel so this fundamentally empathic resonant nature of mind, we get the sense of that you know? and you know if you need any further advice, then how would that feel if it was happening to you you know if that if you that energy was that you're directing towards another person. How would it feel as happening to yourself? How does it feel? How does the violence feel, or the abuse feel, or the the um, dismissiveness feel? Hold it in awareness. It's it's unpleasant. It's not supportive. You abandon it. So in this way, by looking after our, looking directly into our own awareness, we're also looking after others. (laughs) Because you get to to filter your mental behavior, see what it's based upon. mm, Check it out. And if you do that, purify your mental behavior, then by doing this, you're looking after others. It's often uh, when we say, how can we sustain mindfulness in our daily life? Uh, Probably that the uh, There can be several answers. We could say be mindful of the mind, but perhaps more important, even than that, is to be mindful of the Dhamma. Bear the Dhamma in mind. Remember it. Uh, not just the, the verbal teachings, but the spirit of it. There is uh, there is a purity. There is a wholeness. There is a freedom. There is a release. Don't don't forget it. Don't give up on it. There are difficulties. There are obstructions. Don't get deluded by them. <laughs> Don't get convinced by them. Don't follow them. You know, and that you can, you can do this. The four noble truths, in fact, which is in this uh, satipatthana, it's considered the the final frame of reference of this um, of the um, fourth frame of reference, because that's the one that you know, remembering the dhamma. Being mindful of that—that that, that if if we don't bear in mind that we have the capacity, the propensity, and the guidance to clear the suffering and stress in our lives, then we just keep going into it and and getting feeling this helpless sense in our lives. But the suffering and stress is not going to be cleared through shifting the furniture, you know but getting to the roots of mental behavior and attitudes. So as as shifting the furniture is like, you know, moving the deck chairs on the Titanic isn't actually going to stop the thing going down. You've got to look more fundamentally. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in this way, we, this the most important thing to bear in mind is that And then you sustain that, that sense of faith, confidence, and the recognition there is such a thing as cause and effect. There's something that I have the potential to do now. It may be change my attitude. It may be talk to somebody. It may be sit quietly. It may be, you know, direct. Maybe give up something. It may be commit to something. There's something I could do now that will just move me another step along. Yeah, and that's the. That's the important principle to keep in mind. We can't predict the future. How long does it get take? It says in this suit of seven days, you know. <laughs> I want my money back. It <laughs> 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 doesn't work, seven days. Or you say, well, the problem was you weren't mindful for seven days, were you? It's all your fault. But <laughs> So uh yeah, you know, perhaps if we were dwelling right at the roots of mental behaviour constantly for seven days, you would would clear those obstructions, those ignorance, ignorance, the what we perhaps modestly recognise that a lot of the time we n- we're not actually at the roots of our behaviour, we're just at the surface of it, <laughs> you know, we're sort of mindfully chopping the bread or something, but we're not necessarily mindfully. Getting to to down to our most fundamental um, attitudes and uh, uh, defilements or resources. So uh, finally, just to a couple of you know, a little practical section here. In, this is for meditation, mindfulness, as we develop it in meditation, in the um, bhikkhunupasaya which means the, the nuns' vihara. So, nuns' viharas were called upasaya for some reason. <coughs> Convent, we might say. So, this is where the venerable Ananda goes to see the nuns, and uh, so they had a cheerful time together, and then he sat down, they told him, and they said, Ananda, a number of nuns abide with minds, well established in the four establishments of mindfulness, their understanding is becoming ever greater, more excellent, Ananda says, Yes, so it is, so it is. Um, whoever abides in such a way is to be expected that understanding becomes ever greater and more excellent. So basically they just have a little get together and they all celebrate and feel a great sense of harmony and empathy and on the same track. Nanda and the nuns. They all seem to get on very well Nanda to get on very well with the nuns. And uh, so then he goes to see the Buddha who says yeah that's that's correct and he elaborates so he just gives this this piece of advice that um, when you're practicing say mindfulness of the body um, and putting aside covetousness and grief for the world a bodily object arises <laughs> so this means uh, like a bodily sensation or, or sometimes you get these constrictions or obstacles uh, in, in your in your practice, that is, you, you suddenly feel yourself feeling tense, or stuck, or kind of sleepy, or you, something. Energy is going out of whack somewhere in your body, um, or bodily distress, so your body's really stressed, or or mental sluggishness that scatters the mind outward, so the mind is isn't able to settle into that. The mind is not able to take that up, not able to deepen and sink into it. So in that case, you've, you've, what you should do is direct your mind, say, take it to some satisfactory image. Now this could be uh, a, rem- a memory or a perception, such as recollecting the Buddha. It could be um, uh, light, for example, reflecting on light. You could just have your eyes open, looking to the sky in the sense of space, a space animator or a light nimita, or even a sound so something that you can direct your mind to or a, a memory or a deliberate recollection you know so think considering uh, the good will people have showed you so you've got that sense of the like a meta nimita, feeling grateful feeling happy something where your mind really t- picks it up and as we were saying earlier in that uh, sutta on the cook this is uh, very important to find something that your mind will uh, pick up and, and settle with. So then you've directed it to that. And uh, when the mind is directed to something satisfactory, it starts to get happy. Sukha, it starts to feel at ease. Uh, this word, Sukha, you know, happiness, is such a sort of loose word isn't it like love and happiness it just can mean so many things but this in sukha means a sense of something like relief taking your boots off after a walk sitting in a bath um, a bathtub sitting by the fire on a cold day oh the stress has gone that sense of of happiness of relief so there's it's it's a gentle uh happiness Comfortable. From the happiness, joy is born. The joyful b- mind, the body relaxes. So you have got to have something where this is how the, the mental energies and the body energies are co-relative. If your mind becomes joyful, that is not, not thinking, but in its, its very emotional state, its emotional tonality is, is joyful. Then, uh, then it will cause your, bod- your body to become more relaxed. Mm. When your body is relaxed, then your mind starts to feel contented. And this sense of contentment means you're not really, you're quite settled. You're comfortable where you are naturally. Because of that, the mind becomes concentrated. That in many, many times, you'll see this particular sequence uh, of factors. And it always points to that you've got to uh, first get your, uh, you know, your mind, your general mental perspectives into a, a good state of mind, to feel glad, to feel refreshed, to feel grateful, to feel something agreeable. Um, and then because of this, your, your bodily tension is released because of the bodily tension releasing your mind deepens into a sense of settled contentment and then samadhi arises that's 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 the track yeah. so it's not try and get some samadhi so get knotted up feel uncertain whether you're going to get it get stressed out trying to get samadhi start criticizing yourself for not being able to do it <laughs> Properly, <laughs> become a nervous wreck and <laughs> give up meditating. <laughs> it's just you know. So, it, it, samadhi is a result of, of happiness, of an in, internal happiness. So you want to, whatever you can do to get to that. you know. not <laughs> not whatever you can do, but whatever skillful things you can do uh, <laughs> to find that that, that quality. So as we say with the cook, it's a matter of, you've got to check out what we're, and, and of course your mind may change its tastes from year to year, from day to day, but what right now is going to bring me that quality. So you have a range of possibilities you can bear in mind. Mm. Then when when that is accomplished, then you can put the image or the memory or this deliberately uh, generated Thought or impression, you can just relax that, and then what? Then the, the uh, um, this is so, so. Then the mind doesn't have to keep sustaining this this impression, this memory, this image. It relaxes, and then you just stay in the sense of con- contentment and, and samadhi. That is, this is called directed meditation. What is undirected meditation? not directing the mind outwards. Mm. Uh, he understands not focused on before or after, free or undirected. So this is, this is directing the mind outwards refers to the, th- the thinking mind. So we're not, mind is not being directed outwards. Whereas previously it was directed, just to, to bring up something, pick up some theme. Now it's not directed. Uh, it's just let go of, of, of direction and it settles into the body by itself. So I have taught directed, I have taught undirected, whatever is done by a teacher with compassion. Actually, the word compassion here again is anukampa. So it's a, it's a quite repeated word. Um, out of the sympathy for the welfare of students, this is done, done out of sympathy for you. Mm. So it gives us some you know, uh, so, what I'm saying overall is that, yeah, sure, we can have mindfulness specifically about a particular system of technique that we've learned and it works for us. Very good. But don't limit it to that. Um, so, you've got a few, uh, for a start, in terms of your meditation, you have a few possible things you can direct your mind to. The one that doesn't always work all the time, you know how it is particularly we can be in a, a very nice quiet retreat center situation where yeah, you can get down to these kind of refined senses of, you know, little lights in your head or whatever it is. And yeah, that's your meditation. And when you go outside, you can't do it anymore because it was dependent upon that particular, um, uh, that particular situation. I had this similar to, I had my, my own sense of experiences. I used to do a very uh, focused um, uh, Satipatthana, what they call a Satipatthana system, where you do everything very, very slowly. Lifting your foot slowly, noticing tension, slowly putting them down, touching the sensations, lowering the foot on the floor, and then waiting and then lifting, intending lifting, moving forward. Yeah. So I, you know, I could just do that. Now, that to me was meditation. And uh, breathing in and out mm-hmm. quite know, <laughs> uh, you know I, I had my good times with that, and not such good times, but then when I had to leave, when I had to go out of the monastery to um, get some passport done or something and try to walk across a road with traffic in it, I just basically because <laughs> <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> nothing was going in that speed. it was just suddenly all multi directional traffic lights, cars. Or I just basically freaked out in the middle of the road. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a rabbit in the headlights. I don't know what to do, I just lost it completely. Yeah. Fortunately, being a monk in Thailand, people don't run you down, you know, people just kind of went zoomed around me. <laughs> 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 you know, med- med- <laughs> or another meditating, you know. <laughs> <a> dysfunctional human. <laughs> So you know that sense in which you, if your mindfulness is uh, is too associ- too linked to a particular you know refined system or technique, then we 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 limit its capacity you 've got to be able to extend it to 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 wider um, uh, fields We say mindful of crossing a road isn't a bad idea <laughs> what that implies <laughs> Mindful of time and place. There's a story of uh, a meditator who was coming back from one of the big retreat centers in the States, again, where they were doing very things very slowly and refined, and he was driving along the road, the highway, driving his car along the road, being very mindful, and then he saw this, looked in his mirror, and it's his police car. <laughs> police car comes over, stop, pull over, you know, as a pull in, and uh, the policeman gets out, looks at him, <coughs> license, yeah, that sort of thing, and takes him out. Mm. Oh. What have you been doing? What have you been on? I said, uh <laughs> I said, I think I've just been meditating. Or you've been driving at twelve miles an hour <laughs> on the highway. i <laughs> tracking you for the last mile. It's got creepy. <laughs> you can <laughs> well, <laughs> he was being mindful, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's that the that, that sense of the the the, the, the 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 flexibility of it, and uh, in terms of time, place, situations, how we can widen the span without losing the mindfulness. So if we do just get it down to some simple technique which may be efficient within that particular situation. But then we don't really have a, a way to operate or we think that mindfulness is just that. It's a normal function of mind. It's a normal function of mind, but to emphasize that the, the samasati is associated with virtue, with right view, with wisdom, with referring things to awareness, with establishing the sense of empathy for others. yeah. So, and with uh, uh, contemplating or bearing the Four Noble Truths, the way out of suffering in mind. Mm. And everything has to fit within that. That's the elephant's footprint. Everything's got to sit within that. Okay, so let's uh, take a break for a few minutes and we can sit and meditate for a while.